Hi, this is Stuart Weems and thanks for listening to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand insights, strategies and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. In this episode, I'd like to talk about the Royal Commission and more specifically, I'd like to talk about sort of who's who in the zoo. So who are the participants in the financial services industry and who can you trust? Uh, when should, what sort of advice should you go and seek from your accountant versus your mortgage broker and so forth? And um, just to give you a little bit of clarity and put all the comments, negative or otherwise, that are coming out of the Royal Commission in a bit of context. So first let me say that I think the um, negative stories about dodgy financial advice and people getting ripped off and so forth that are coming out of the Royal Commission is ultimately going to be good. Good on a couple of fronts. Firstly, obviously, the industry needs to t- take a heed and make some pretty significant changes. The government and regulators need to have a, have a tighter control on who's in the industry and how they're operating in their business models. And lastly, uh, the consumers, that is you, uh, need to really educate yourself. And the education is really the best defence uh, towards getting ripped off. And if you stick to the sound fundamentals that I cover in my book, Investopoly, uh, you're almost guaranteed to uh, not be in a position where you're going to get ripped off. So first, let me explain that there's two types of advice. There's strategic financial advice, and then there's asset class investment advice. So of course, there's, uh, as I've written about and spoken about a lot, that you should always seek advice from an independent financial planner. Now, if you're going to go off and buy an investment property and you go and use a buyer's agent to do that, they're obviously not independent. You know, they're going to, they're in the business of helping the clients invest in property, not shares. So there's a certain level of conflict of interest. But you don't really need to worry about that because that's asset class advice. Uh, the only time you really need strategic, uh, independent advice is when you're seeking strategic financial advice. Now, strategic financial advice is all about sort of helping people understand what they need to invest in and how much and when in order to achieve their lifestyle goals. But if you already know, hey, I want to invest in shares or I want to invest in property and you, you, you're quite confident about your own financial strategy and how much you should invest and all those sorts of things, well, then you don't need strategic financial advice and therefore you don't necessarily need to deal with an independent financial advisor. So it's really just the strategy part that you need to get right. And I've uh, got a separate podcast on the five tests that an advisor needs to pass in order to be considered independent. So if you're looking for an independent financial advisor, certainly look out for that podcast. So let's talk about asset class advice then. So who do you seek and who can you trust? Who do you seek out and who can you trust? So I've actually listed about um, seven different uh, advisors here. So um, let's work our way through all of them. So if you're looking for superannuation or managed fund advice, then unfortunately, yes, you do need an independent financial advisor for that. So if you really just want some advice on where to put my super, you know, should I be in an industry fund? Should I consolidate all my super? If I should consolidate it, who do I consolidate with? There's two places you can probably seek advice. The first one is independent financial planner, and you can just do a Google search or get a referral from a friend and follow the podcast of the five tests that an independent or an advisor must pass to be considered independent uh, and that's one way to get that advice. Another way is to go to an industry super fund and pay them for some financial advice and most of them have their own financial planners now. Now of course there's a conflict of interest of course when you ask them what to do with your super they're probably going to give you an industry super fund but that's not so bad Um, and my advice would be to go to Host Plus and the reason I say Host Plus is because they have the 
lowest cost, completely indexed uh, investment option uh, available at the moment, um, and it really can't get much lower cost than that. So if you go to them, you say that your preference is for passive management rather than active management, they're probably going to still still steer you in that direction, and that's not so bad. The second one is stockbrokers. So there's obviously an overwhelming level of evidence that stock picking is a loser's game. It doesn't work in the long run. And so if you're thinking about investing in direct shares, my advice would be don't. Instead, invest in managed funds or exchange-traded funds. Invest in low-cost index funds and go and see an independent financial planner to get some advice in respect to that. But if you are hell-bent on investing in direct shares, then there's only two ways that I recommend doing that. Firstly, establish a relationship with a uh, a stockbroker and pay them a, a regular monthly fee, not a transactional fee, because they'll, they'll, their advice will then be conflicted to try and get you to undertake transactions which either buy or sell, and that triggers costs and tax and so forth. But if you pay them a monthly retainer fee, then they're very much there to give you advice and review your portfolio, or go and pay for a, a newsletter. A newsletter that's going to give you some stock picking tips and uh, one that's been around for a while and got a bit of a track record. Again, if you want to invest in the stock market, a low-cost ETF uh, is the best way to go, exchange-traded fund. If you're going to uh, invest in property or you know you want to invest in property, then you need to use a really good buyer's agent. There's sort of six things that you need to look out for, and these are all in the show notes, the links in the show notes and so forth. But certainly... The six things that make a really good buyer's agent, uh, property buyer's agent, in my opinion, is one, they must be able to clearly articulate the factors that make a property investment grade. So why is this property going to work versus the property next door or the property down the street? And instead of just um, being wishy-washy, oh, I think it's a good property, they need to point out the fundamental factors that are going to drive that growth. Number two, they don't listen to you, so they won't compromise on buying a quality asset. They'll either buy the right property or nothing at all. So if you're sitting there saying, look, I like this regional town, that a good buyer's agent will say, no, I'm not interested. I'm not going to help you buy a property that I'm not, I don't believe is going to work. Number three, they can show you examples of what they've purchased for clients 10 or more years ago. The more evidence they have to show that obviously it gives you confidence that they're on the right track. Number four, they specialise in one geographical location. So it's impossible to be an expert in one capital, whole capital city, for example, or many capital cities. I've seen some buyers agents say that they cover a, a very large geographical um, segment that encompasses many states. It's impossible to do. You really want a local area expert. Number five, uh, the longer they've been in business, the better. It's not a, a deal breaker, but certainly someone that's been in business for 20 years um, uh, has some runs on the board. And number six, the only financial benefit they should receive is the fee that you pay them. So no link-ups with um, property developers or commissions or kickbacks or those sorts of things. In respect to mortgage brokers, so how can you trust a mortgage broker or who to trust? Um, well, Mortgage brokers are a commission based, so that they earn a commission from uh, writing their loans. And whilst commissions uh, seem like a dirty word, that's actually not so bad because a couple of reasons. Firstly, most brokers offer whole of market advice, which means that they've got 30 or more lenders on their panel. So you're not really missing out on anything that those 30 lenders would typically represent sort of 98% of the mortgage market. So it's not every single lender in Australia, but a pretty wide selection of the lenders, more than more lenders than you'd probably go and uh, look at yourself. Number two, the price that you pay is exactly the same as if you went direct to the lender. So it's not going to cost you any more um, going through a broker as compared to going direct to a lender. And number three, the commissions 
paid between all lenders really don't vary that much. In fact, there might be a, just a few dollars or even a few hundred dollars difference between one lender and the next. So there isn't really a large incentive for a, a mortgage broker to push you to, towards one particular lender. So for that reason, a commission basis mortgage broker works really well. Find someone that really understands loan structuring, um, but don't necessarily take tax advice unless they're a registered tax agent, and certainly don't take financial advice from a mortgage broker unless they're uh, licensed to provide that advice. Number five, I want to talk about bankers. That is, people that are um, bankers that are working for the institutions and so forth. Look, they're very good at providing product advice, but I wouldn't take any other advice from like loan structuring and so forth. I've seen people get into really big trouble by following the advice of someone that might be very well-meaning but doesn't necessarily have the knowledge to give that advice. So product advice only from bankers. Um, when, With respect to accountants, accountants typically can't provide for financial advice and they really don't have the skill set or the experience to do so. Now, some accountants will have their own financial services licence and that's fantastic. They'll be able to give you a holistic approach. Um, but certainly accountants' specialisation is really just about tax advice. And for accountants, they spend most of their time looking at the present or the past, not really thinking much about the future, which is very different to financial advisors. They spend most of their time thinking about the future. So it is a really different mindset and a different way of looking at things. So a lot of clients go off to their accountant and start asking financial advice. Now, do it. I'm not discouraging you from doing it, but I'm just setting the scene that they might not necessarily be the best people to ask. And lastly, insurance advisors. Now, insurance advisors are paid a commission based on the level of insurance that they recommend to you. Again, that in itself doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing as long as you're dealing with someone that's got your best interests at heart. And it should be pretty um, pretty obvious about whether this person uh, really understands your needs and is recommending the right level of cover. If there's any concerns whatsoever, certainly go off and get a second opinion. If you feel like you're you're getting recommended too much insurance, which is a, the, probably the most common, if, if something's going to go wrong, that's the most common thing is that people are overselling or over-recommending insurance. If you feel like that's the case, do a bit of a Google search, have a look around, see what people are recommending or, and or get a second opinion from a different advisor. Um, getting life and TPD insurance from your industry super fund can be a, a really low-cost uh, way of, of getting that level of cover as well. Now, some uh, independent advisors offer insurance advice on a fee-for-service basis. Uh, my view is that it doesn't suit everyone. If you've got pretty basic insurance needs, you're, you're probably actually better off dealing with a commission-based advisor because it means you won't have to pay a fee, and really the commission is a way of sort of spreading that advice fee over a, a longer period of time. However, if you've got substantial insurance needs um, and therefore a lot of cover and, and large premiums, then you might actually be much better off by dealing with a fee-for-service advisor. So someone that's going to take the commissions out and only just charge you a, an upfront fee, but that would really be not a large percentage of the population. So hopefully that gives you a, a bit of a, an idea of who, who who's who in the zoo and, and who to trust and who to ask for advice. As I said, there's lots of um, more information in the show notes, so you can certainly check it out there. Until next time, I hope that's been of great help. Bye for now.